Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for this week's episode on the power of mushrooms for your health and wellness. I interviewed um, my man, Julian Mitchell, who actually started a company called Lifecycle. They've been uh, working with mushrooms now for uh, nearly five years, but he has a deep, deep knowledge on the adaptogenic uh, efficacy and the medicinal properties of mushrooms for your overall health and wellness. And I have been taking various forms of mushrooms, reishi, Lion's Mane initially because I found its cognitive benefits and uh, was referred to it uh, for my father who is uh, struggling with cognitive decline and delved deeply into the power of Lion's Mane. Uh, As many of you know, I've been speaking about it for some time uh, through the show and I wanted to get uh, an expert on who could speak about the efficacy. What's profound is I had seen an episode uh, on YouTube some time ago of a Paul Stamets talk where he spoke about uh, remediation of our soil and the power of mushrooms to actually turn the most toxic soil that, that was thought to be um, un- uninhabitable uh, back into livable earth. Uh, it was actually petro, like a, imagine like petroleum dumped uh, land and mushrooms actually brought it back to to vital soil and I was so uh, blown away by that and I've been doing you know a lot of research into the connection and relationship between our soil for example and our gut microbiome which we speak about in this episode and the the connection uh, between the, the p- potentiality of, of mushrooms for bioremediation and also, you know, supporting our own immunity and well-being uh, wasn't lost on me. And so I wanted to learn more. I think you'll find this episode fascinating. Julian goes into a lot of the benefits and he, and he even details the benefit of a variety of the most popular forms of, of mushrooms. We break down reishi and lion's mane and go into sort of some of the top mushrooms you can use to optimize your health. So with that, it's my great pleasure to introduce Julian Mitchell. All right. I am here today with my friend Julian Mitchell. It's a pleasure to be with you, Julian. Michael, it's great to be tuning in uh, all the way from Australia. So um, we've got a good connection, so I'm excited. Likewise, my man. It's funny, Australia's always uh, played a a pretty significant role in my life. Actually, we launched Global Citizen uh, with an Australian friend of mine and uh, have have done both extraordinary business uh, and extraordinary pleasure over there in in your neck of the woods. So uh, it's, uh, it's good to have you on the show, my man. Great, great to hear you come over here. Yes, not often we get too many uh, U.S. citizens or locals coming over. So excited that you're sort of seeing what we have to offer over here. Oh, mate, it's magic. It's it's interesting, hey, because a lot of the Aussies have come over here, uh, which is cool because we get. Uh, I like I, I like the over, it, there's like a similar overlap I find between sort of the California sensibility and a lot of the like um, Bondi Beach kind of like uh, you know Byron Bay type vibes. So. Um, yeah, man. Well, let's let's get into it a little bit because I invited you on the show because I've been delving deeply into the world of mushrooms and to the the, the powerful potential of of fungi, both environmentally, but also in terms of our our sort of overall health and wellness. And I'm seeing as I watch and, and sort of look around me that it's emerging more and more uh, as a trend to see mushrooms incorporated into different products. 
And when I spoke to a, a friend of mine, they had mentioned that you, you, you've been obviously working with mushrooms for quite some time now and have a, a super high integrity brand called Lifecycle where you work with mushrooms actually grown from the U.S. And I've actually been using the product, the tinctures, to uh, quite some effect. And so I reached out to you and said, you know, I'd actually love to talk more about the efficacy of mushrooms. So maybe let's start off with how did how did mushrooms sort of come into your life, right? Like, I mean, it, it, it's it's always interesting to know like what's the origin story. So what what brought you and, and the fungi together? Absolutely, yeah. It wasn't uh, a normal. I mean, my background was growing up in farming and agriculture a little bit with my family, but not deeply embedded in, in farming in any way. But I uh, was embedded in elite sport and worked over in in the Premier League as a physical therapist. And so that's sort of very different to then, you know, fast forward four years now being in mushrooms. But the link was really between performance and the future of food and, you know, how do we move forward harmoniously um, as a healthy, you know, society, both with the, for the planet and for ourselves. And so mushrooms were that conduit. They really are that conduit between one being incredibly important to a healthy ecosystem and one also being incredibly important to a healthy individual if used in the right way. So we were sort of, you know, four and a half years ago, Ryan and myself as sort of, um, you know, founding the business of Lifecycle, it was really around, okay, well, what does the future of food look like and what role can we play in that? Because we were seeing on a personal level, you know, a lot of mental health issues um, from friends and also within our work environment, a lot of mental health issues and a lot of disconnection to the natural world. And again, so going back to mushrooms being that conduit, um, playing a role across many applications, both in a healthy ecosystem in the forest in terms of being the, uh, the natural dissemblers and recyclers and decomposers of you know, rotting logs that then help feed soil, um, not to mention also the importance of healthy soil and the role mushrooms and mycelium play in being around about 30% of all healthy soil is mycorrhizal fungi or hyphae or what we popularly know as mycelium. And so a healthy ecosystem requires mushrooms. Healthy society, we believe, requires mushrooms. And as we, as we move forward on this journey of evolution, in a positive way, we need to connect those two dots and we need to you know, harness the power of mushrooms working with them not against them. And so that sort of was our premise. Little did we know the journey we were about to embark on because we just started growing fresh mushrooms for restaurants from recycled coffee ground. And then very quickly, a lot of biotechnology applications became sort of apparent to us. We went and invested deeply into the science in terms of some of our team members. Our chief scientist is a, a biotechnology engineer. And these guys typically graduate and go and work for a pharmaceutical company um, or a company along those lines, and I guess you know, we're at a time now where people are looking at other alternatives, and so he reached out to us from Paris, had heard about us, and has been on the team now for a couple of years, and we've grown the team um, immensely to have a number of other scientists and, and key thought leaders in sustainability and business, because I think really the awakening and the timing of the fungi kingdom um, is not a trend, it's here to stay, and really we're just building the base with what we know as functional mushrooms, but there's 93% of species that we don't know what they do and have not been identified yet. So we're only 7% into the fungi kingdom at the moment. Wow. Yeah, I saw what, one of the things that really woke me up to the power of, of mushrooms was Paul Stamets' talk when he he went into the ability for mushrooms to actually 
uh, bioremediate toxic soil in a way that no, no, nothing else could, right? So like oil spill, like highly toxic places. Um, the, the mushrooms were actually able to turn it into a healthy environment again. And I've just seen, you know, obviously we are interconnected and interdependent to nature. Uh, we sometimes forget that, uh, but but it, it, it is the truth. And so whenever I see something that has that efficacy in terms of the natural world outside, I think about how, how it can actually impact us inside as well. And so I've, I've been uh, taking various forms of mushrooms, lion's mane, reishi, chaga, um, turkey tail for – uh, you know, a, a couple of years now, and and what initially tuned me into it was the efficacy of lion's mane for its cognitive benefits. Uh, because my dad, as I as I think I shared with you, uh, was diagnosed with dementia. And I was looking for anything uh, that I could to help him, and also anything that you know demonstrated efficacy as it related related to cognition. And so. Lion's Mane, I just did a deep dive into and, and just discovered the profound benefits and how it had been used for thousands of years uh, by monks and a variety of others, you know, others to, to sort of optimize uh, their, their, their cognition. And so I started tapping into Lion's Mane. But maybe if you would, I'd love it if you could break down, you know, I'm seeing sort of Lion's Mane, Chaga, Rishi, you know, a Turkey Tail, uh, a variety, Cordyceps. Could you kind of like for the audience that's listening, because I think most people still yet to have, to have, have to still to understand what each of those kind of does. Could you break down a little bit what the efficacy of each of these mushrooms is? Sure, and they're really, I guess, um, new in many ways and old in many ways in traditional Chinese medicine. But it's really understanding that these can be amazing base builders for our own daily use um, to unlock really you know, the potential of optimizing our whether it's our how we feel, whether it's certain organs, whether it's any challenges we're coming up against. And so if we run through them from the top, I guess, with lion's mane being one of the most popular and something that we have uh, get a lot of attention for, really the reason lion's mane is, is great is it acts on the myelin sheath of your myelin, which is your neuron, so your nervous system. So it acts on the neurons, which are the electrical system, the nerve cells that are signaling molecules that is passing, you know, allowing you to pick up a pen, allowing you to think of what uh, you know memory wise what, what was i doing what was i thinking so you know your neurons keeping them healthy is very important and as we age naturally they are starting to i guess wear down and so what that means is the electrical system is not as efficient and what that looks like is you know little lapses of memory maybe mid-conversation what was i saying what was i thinking um, maybe just not being as sharp versus being able to consolidate your memory so what's happening on a physiological level is the Lion's mane and two compounds, their hernacium and their hernaceus, they help remyelinate the nerve cell, so re-insulate the nerve cell, which is you know, essentially carrying the, the message, and, message. And so what that means is the signal is nice and strong. So if you imagine a hose and you put your foot on the hose to stop the flow, that's sort of what you're doing in a sense as you get older. You're stopping the flow or decreasing the flow which is your thought, which is your memory, which is your ability to coordinate a motor task, such as dancing or whatever it may be. And so Lion's Mane helps remyelinate. It's called neurogenesis. Mm. So you've got you know, neurodegeneration, uh, which is happening as we get older naturally, but then you've got re- neuroregeneration and neurogenesis, and we say we know Lion's Mane helps do that. And so what we see when people are consuming the Lion's Mane is memory consolidation, that feelings of being much sharper, in their sort of daily tasks and ability to focus better. 
and some interesting ones that we've had in terms of testimonials. One from, I mean, Dave Asprey has been been a big fan for us in terms of the lion's mane and his ability to record his REM sleep and notice improved REM sleep and REM dreaming. And so when we first started putting out the lion's mane, we we're getting a lot of feedback on dreaming and you know looking through all the research, there wasn't really a lot on that. And so it was just like, mm, that's an interesting fact and an interesting thing to know. But now we've had people like Dave, uh, you know, who actually you know, spoke about the, the lion's mane extract that we have in his new book, Superhuman, um, because he believes so much in terms of it, using it as a sleep hack. Mm. And so that sleep hack, we know we're consolidating memory, we're repairing you know, our nerve cells, we're repairing a lot of our nervous system when we sleep, and especially when we get that REM dreaming deep sleep. And so acting on that lion's mane, has a dual function. A lot of people may be putting it in their coffee in their morning or their smoothie or their tea, and that's sort of lifting the veil of fogginess in the morning. But as an adaptogen, you know, a lot of people also are doing it before bed, one, two hours before bed in their evening tea or straight under the tongue or however they may have it in that liquid extract form and noticing very vivid dreaming, very deep sleep, and um, you know, I guess the next day feeling much more recovered, and that's also when you're getting that long-term memory consolidation so when you get that REM sleep you're getting a short-term memory and, and things you've learned that day moving into a consolidated period so it's great for study it's great for for the younger population for the young professional and, in the, and as you mentioned in terms of dementia I mean we know the number one drug for multiple sclerosis comes from multiple sclerosis comes from the fungi kingdom hmm. I mean, this is the most prescribed drug for multiple sclerosis what are we treating it with we're treating it with something from the fungi kingdom a mushroom from that kingdom and so you know i believe very confidently that that will be the same case for alzheimer's dementia with lion's mane or something of that nature in terms of you know addressing the neurological condition and the pathology behind that so lion's mane it's one of those mushrooms that everyone should be having regardless of the age because if you're a young professional wanting to get the most out of your brain or a young entrepreneur or a young person studying it's amazing if you're getting older uh, which you know we all are from about the age of you know, unfortunately 25 was on a slow decline um, it's about slowing that down and, and optimizing our brain so lion's mane is, is amazing for that yeah I just want to pause you before we get into some of the other uh, mushrooms but you mentioned MS and what's interesting is one of my uh, podcast episodes and interviews which was so profound for me was with Dr. Terry Walls and Terry, uh, Dr. Walls if you haven't uh, listened to that episode already actually cured herself of progressive MS which is theor- theoretically Im- impossible uh, through a protocol she established using food basically uh, and we've all heard the sort of adage food let your food be your medicine um, but it's I think it's so powerful and I've, and I've seen with her like literally she showed how she went from wheelchair bound to to biking two years later um, how how potent a lot of these food sources can be on our health which is part of the reason why I'm so interested myself like uh, another doctor Dr. Dale Bredesen talks about uh, the end of Alzheimer's and dementia and he sort of talks about cognitive decline as like a roof, and various things can cause holes in that roof, whether that be uh, whether that be mold, heavy metal exposure, uh, poor diet, you know, a variety of different factors. And we often look for one causation and look for one pill to fix something, but. Yeah. It's, it's much more nuanced than that as he articulates. And and so for me right now, it's interesting. I'm about to embark, which I, I think I shared with you, on a whole pro- testing protocol where I'm going to test myself for mold, for heavy metals, for a variety of different uh, factors to get a baseline assessment. 
And my hope is to use things like mushrooms, uh, take my diet to the next level, exercise, etc., to really kind of up level and measure. And and that's why I think we're, we're we're living in a very interesting time in terms of personalization of of medicine, in terms of what we're able to augment with both our diet and supplements, such that we can really look and measure where we're at, and then find ways to increase efficacy. And like what you're saying, like a sleep tracker. Granted, that may be anecdotal, but at the same time. You, you feel the difference, right? Like if you go to bed and you wake up, not only do you have now measures like that, that are assessing sort of, you know, your heart rate variability, et cetera, but you, you know, you, you, and so you can see how long you were in deep REM sleep, but also, you know, just how you feel. So I've, I've been using, um, mushrooms as part of my general cycle. And I know, and I know now when there's increasing science, obviously on the, on the power of sleep for clearing, as you said, the brain and taking out the trash, so to speak. So, Super uh, powerful to to hear. Uh, tell me a little bit about reishi. Reishi mushroom, yeah. So known as sort of the the mushroom of immortality. And if you go to China, you'll see it uh, on all the temples. It was really a a gift for the um, the kings and the queens and the princes, and it was on a lot of artwork. And it's one one mushroom that's revered there, really for. You know, it's benefits from a subjective point of view of calming down the system. So it's a great you know for the modern day person where we're all in embedded in different levels of stress, whether you're a parent, whether you're in business, whether you're studying at, at university or college. Um, it's a, a great mushroom at turning down the volume and, and winding down that stress. And it's known as an immunomodulator, so it's able to sort of turn up your immune system if it's stressed or if it turn it down if you're sort of suffering from you know, autoimmune issues as well. And so you know, what we find is in terms of clients, it's a sort of an everyday mushroom or a customer's an everyday mushroom for taking mostly in the evening or in the afternoon to wind down. And you know, we know, one, yes, getting a good night's sleep is important, but also getting to sleep. You know, we know insomnia causes a lot of issues for people as well. And so what tools are, you know, and as you said, it's never one factor. It's about turning the lights down. It's about having a bedtime routine, but it's also about what else can help, I guess, induce calmness. And uh, that's exactly what Reishi is able to do. In terms of, you know, other research on this mushroom, it's, it's a very broad spectrum, you know, and that's really where the mushrooms are up to. It's either not non-specific, non-specific in terms of the reishi does not target X or Y. It's more very broad spectrum in terms of acting on the immune system and upgrading the immune software, really. So what we call that is beta-glucans and polysaccharides. And so if we're able to upgrade the software of our immune system regularly, we're able to you know, filter out any small you know, infections or bacterial issues or stresses before they become something larger and that's really what Chinese traditional medicine is about. It's about prevention, it's about daily use, it's about low use um, as a tool rather than I guess what modern day um, medicine is about which is very reactive. Mm. It's about, okay, you know, I feel these symptoms, maybe you ignore them for a little while and then maybe you go to a doctor when there's a pain point and then you get some testing and then it says you've got X, Y, and Z. And we need to move our model away from that and our thinking away from that and go into a preventative model. And that's really where these mushrooms such as reishi um, play, can play an important role in optimizing health and prevention. I love it. Um, quickly, because I want to cover over uh, a bunch of other ground, but just break down, if you will, sort of in a, in a lightning sense, the benefit of, say, cordyceps, um, turkey tail, and uh, chaga. Yeah, sure. So uh, turkey tail, two compounds, 
PSK, PSP. It's called Turkey Tail because it actually looks like a turkey's tail. PSK actually has just been approved in Japan to be used in, um, you know, in conjunction with chemotherapy. So most cancer patients now will uh, also receive PSK, which is a compound directly from turkey tail. So this is an amazing mushroom for these two compounds. And what else has been shown to do in terms of gut health, in terms of proliferation and activation of positive immune cells? And, you know, I know you've had some some experts on the show before talking about that gut-brain access, and it's yeah. something that keeps coming up as a topic and keep coming up as a topic in mental health. And so we need to be thinking about the gut when we think about mental health. Mm. And so when we're getting those early signs of anxiety or early symptoms of you know, low mood, again, turkey tail is another part of, that, of your armory because we know the PSK and the PSP acts to activate good gut bacteria. And so in terms of mood, in terms of you know, post-antibiotics, in terms of any digestive issues, um, testimonially we've seen great results and in research that's conducted by great universities. That's sort of what it's all pointing towards. There was a great study done by Harvard University a few years ago to show exactly that, that PSP is amazing at activating immune cells and gut positive gut bacteria. So turkey tail in terms of gut health, mood stabilization, thinking about that. Um, if there are thoughts and depressive ideas around anxiety, then that's something definitely to be looked at. Again, there'll be a lot further and deeper research done in that space, um, which is exciting. The other one were the shaga mushroom. This is you know, known as the, the king of mushrooms, and for good reason, really. I mean, again, if we look at nature, it tells us a lot of things already in terms of you know, it grows in, it loves negative 40 climate. And so it's growing in a very harsh climate. It's growing on birch trees, and we know birch trees alone have amazing medicinal compounds. The sap from the birch tree, the bark from the birch tree, the roots from the birch tree all can be used and all have amazing compounds. And so you've got this chaga mushroom growing growing in negative 40 degrees Celsius climate. You've got it growing on birch trees, which are quite rare, and it's growing in – it takes over or works with two in every 10,000 birch trees. And so this is a supremely rare mushroom and it can, you know, it takes a minimum of really like over five to ten years to really get going. Wow. So you can harvest a tiger mushroom that's 25 years old that's growing in that climate. And so from a medicinal point of view, that has to have something good, and it does because it's working symbiotically with the birch tree. And so you're getting the active compounds from the birch tree and the chaga at the same time. And so this mushroom is just an absolute powerhouse. Subjectively, what you notice is you, you really start to see your eyes open up in terms of color. And, and really sort of, I guess, in a, in a way, purify. You see your skin really begin to glow. Your nails grow super fast and super quick and your hair. And what we know is that the betulin, B-U-T-U-L-I-N, betulin, and the phenolic acids and the antioxidants in this is you know, the highest in the world in terms of you know, the, the concentration. And so, again, this is a mushroom that is in an amazing powerhouse. The thing we need to be aware of is the sustainability of its harvesting, mm. uh, the sourcing of its harvesting, and that's something where we sort of haven't yet brought out a product in that space, but we are just bottling some liquid extract now because we've been able to find direct links to the foragers who've been foraging this mushroom and other mushrooms in BC, Canada, and in northern parts of the US as well. So we have direct link to where that product is coming from because I think that's pretty important because this is an amazing mushroom and it works symbiotically with the chaga. So when harvesting, you need to harvest it sustainably. Mm. And so... This is sort of the story of, of the shaga mushroom, where all the other mushrooms can be grown 
commercially, which we grow ourselves, both in the U.S. and in Byron Bay commercially. But shaga mushroom um, is still a wild harvested mushroom and very special for that reason. I mean, there's a number of books um, out of Russia on this mushroom and in northern parts of Scandinavia where it's been used for a long time in, in tea. So um, very powerful. You've been using chaga yourself? Yeah, I use chaga. I use chaga. Lion's mane is my probably most significant and most frequently used. I mean, I have it in the morning with my coffee. Um, I do take it at times before bed. I'm taking, I'm actually using the life cycle chaga uh, as, or excuse me, the life cycle lion's mane um, quite frequently um, because that's the one that I'm just most, uh, at the moment, most concerned about cognition. And, and it's, it's a very, you know, I even named my show Peak Mind. So, so it's, but that said, it's also the one that I was introduced to first, you know? And so for me, for lack of a better term, it's kind of been a gateway mushroom. And so yeah. I've been really looking at the virtues of all the different mushroom kingdoms. And like you said, I think we, we were even just sort of scratching the surface. Obviously, there's even research now being done. Michael Pollan wrote a book about, you know, psilocybin. I know, like, for example, I, I've been told that, like, the soma that's written about in the Dionysian wine uh, of, of old is actually Amanita muscaria. And, the you know, Snow White and Santa – all these different mythologies are actually informed largely largely by uh, consumption of, uh, you know, psychedelic mushrooms, which they're now, which we're, we're now seeing more of. I just saw the independent in the UK publish an article about synapses and different, different side of cognitive efficacies of, of use with PTSD and, and certain veterans. So I'm just, I'm, I'm definitely far from an expert, but utilizing the, the, the products feeling a difference and now really researching why that is. So actually having someone like yourself on to like break down the efficacy is super valuable. I think obviously for, for myself, but also hopefully for the audience, because I think I, it's starting, it's starting to move more into the common parlance, but I don't think most people understand truly what the, the efficacy is. And I think let's touch on this last piece because you know, I've also seen in the sort of wellness space the proliferation, especially as, as le- you know, cannabis has moved more into a, a regulated and legalized sense. There's also, uh, you know, big CBD's been a big health trend, right? But I know from friends that like not all CBD's created equal because it's a bioremediator and it will take toxins from the soil. So if you have hemp that's grown in toxic soil. In, say, China, for example, uh, and I'm not singling out China, I'm just using that as a potential example, um, or, you know, versus an organic soil or like used from a regenerative farm, like, like the, the, the environment matters. Um, and so if you could talk and, and, and basically actually what you said as well, which is interesting to me, is the climate impact, right? I just watched a film um, produced by Rosario Dawson. Uh, and what was amazing was they are actually articulating that that soil and regenerative agriculture is probably the number one factor in 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 the sort of move to a reverse climate change because of its ability for, for carbon sequestration. And obviously, we have a, a multi. I'm going off here a little bit, but we have a multitude of monocultures which are which are diluting and using pesticides, glyphosate, etc. Especially in the U.S., that are killing all the microbes. And the soil is like our gut, right? Like our microbiome. It's just the microbiome of the earth. Obviously, my cel- the mycelial networks are integral in that soil and the integrity of that soil. So to me, it's, I just feel like I've opened up this almost like the matrix 
And I feel like mm. fungi are the key. It's like it's like it's like the pill that's tuned into like a whole different world. And I don't mean that in the psychedelic sense. I mean that literally in the sense of like, wow, I feel like mushrooms just have such capacity because we're living in such a more toxic environment and such a critical yeah. time for, for both the environment and, and, and humanity. So if you could speak a little bit about the environmental aspects of mushrooms, I, I, I'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah, that was that was there's a lot. There's so many areas. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just I just I just went off. I didn't even ask a no, question. I, I literally was just like, "Yo, this is what I'm thinking that about." The, <laughs> that was the monologue. That's the monologue we wanted to hear. That's <laughs> because really, what it's come back to, it's all interconnected. Yeah, you know, we can talk about these functional mushrooms and how they benefit our day and, and things like that, but we also need to get back to, you know, one, what does the future of business look like, and what does the future of the planet look like, and they need to come together. Yes. In the sense of, are we thinking about that entire life cycle? One thing that we heard, we hear a lot about is from farmers that we work with and talk to, is that oh, when I was young, growing up on the farm, you know, there was mushrooms popping up all in the soil, and, and now we don't see that anymore. And that is a, 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 really a reflection of modern day monoculture cropping and use of pesticides that have killed that mycelial network within the soil. That is a part of that system, and then they're not getting the yields they want. They're not getting the crops they want. The, all of these things are, but it goes back to again interrupting that life cycle, that natural flow, and not understanding it well enough, and not understanding how we work with it, which is the mushrooms, and how do we work with them in terms of the environment where they can help um, us, you know, clean up the things that we've caused in terms of issues. Because if we think of mushrooms, they are amazing survivors they are the masters of surviving they've survived over a billion years and so they're very adaptive to different climates and so that's why if there's an oil spill if there's you no know, toxic pcbs and other chemicals that have been put into our waterways or have been you know spilt in, in on our soil through uses of mining or whatever and agricultural cropping and pesticides that these mushrooms are amazing at breaking down these uh, you know chemicals and these nasties into a food source because that's what they've done their whole life. They've been able to find ways to survive and they're determinant species in the fact that they can continue to grow you know, everlasting if the resources are there. So they're very smart at creating food resources and adapting to eating new different types of you know, nutrients. And so that comes in the form of these chemicals and these nasties. And so bioremediation, something that, you know, I think a lot of people have heard of once or twice. They've heard of that mushrooms can do this. Not really seeing a lot of it in action at the moment. We're still on the edges of the science of it in terms of how do we scale it tangibly and how do you scale it commercially in this capitalistic world. But it's a must, and it's something that we'll be spending some time on ourselves, and others are spending some time on because we know that monoculture cropping, that use of pesticides, that runoff into you know things like the Mississippi and into other key rivers in Australia. And then that becomes drinking water, and that goes out into the ocean. And then we, what we see is, you know, things like glyphosate in in you know fish in the ocean, or in other forms of food, or other birds, or other insects that are all you know suffering from this monoculture cropping, or from these pesticides, or from these chemicals. Mushrooms can play a role as a filter in that detoxifying the planet. But again, being more optimistic about it as well, we need to yes get back to base one of detoxifying the damage we've done. Uh, the, de the deforestation that's taken place, how do we expedite the process of reforestation? Well, we know that you know mycelium and the hyphae can connect to the roots of trees and help extend their reach, help them reach nutrients um, faster and quicker and at a deeper level than, they, than these root systems can by themselves. And so we know by impregnating 
specific mushroom strains and mycelium and hyphae into forests. We can speed up the growth of those forests. We can help build that ecosystem. And so that's a key strategy to reforestation, which I know you're doing a lot of work in and leading that space in your project next year. So again, you know, I don't want to sound too crazy on the mushroom space, but they do have an application for nearly every problem we have. And if we look through history, like the fairy tales and the folklore, they've been a part of our evolution for a long time. And I know there's a lot of hype on the on the psychedelics, but the efficacy of when you make a high-quality product of lion's mane, when you make a high-quality pro- product of turkey tail, you will notice the benefits. And going back to things like the trend of the CBD, again, this is an evolution. The cannabis, the CBD, that has many applications that we need to impregnate into our everyday life. But then it does become a question of efficacy because I've got lots of friends and we've had lots of feedback. Oh, I'm not sure about CBD. Does it work? What do you think? We need to get back to the core of how is that product growing, how is it made, and then what compounds and constitutes does it have within it. And so I know some businesses are in the CBD space are very open with their lab testing, with the results that they get, where they grow. And so going back to that point around the future of business, the future of business, the future of marketing, we believe, is transparency and trust and traceability. And that goes hand in hand because once you're doing that, you're also on the you know, I guess eyes are open and eyes are on you, and so you need to be doing things in a sustainable way. And any business today that's not doing that, um, I don't think will be around for long because it's not what the consumer wants. And so taking that walk of traceability, transparency as a business um, is very important for both, you know, your bottom line and your growth and your sustainability as a business commercially, but most importantly also for the planet. And so that's an exciting opportunity here in Byron Bay where we are, there's a lot of sustainable businesses. We have a friend um, who has a business called Sea Bin Project, which is essentially a, a bin that collects plastics from the ocean. And, and these businesses naturally get a lot of traction because it's what people want to see in the world. And so I think, you know, I think businesses are uh, need to be put on on notice for that and also see it as an opportunity. You know, single-use plastics, all of these things should be removed immediately from supply chains, and they can be. Um, from the smaller businesses, from the bigger businesses, well, they're much slower to act. We can't rely on them. In terms of government making legislation come through, that's also a bit slow. I think we need to lead as people, we need to lead as consumers, and as business owners, we have a huge opportunity to lead as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think you know we, we sort of, for lack of a better term, vote with our dollars um, on a day-to-day basis. And you know, it's interesting. A couple things that came to mind. One is uh, I'm very hopeful that that mushrooms will play a role in breaking down this plastic epidemic that uh, that we that we have now with single use plastics. I mean, I don't think any piece of plastic that's ever been created has has fully decomposed, and we're seeing microplastics in everywhere, even the deepest levels of the ocean. Um, but my hope is that mushrooms can play a role in, in, in hopefully, as we saw with sort of other fossil fuels, helping with the bioremediation. But secondly, to your business point, I think, you know, spot on. I think I think we're entering into a new era of business. I think a lot of our systems are sort of antiquated 20th century exploitive uh, oriented systems, right? Like 20th century industrial capitalism informed our education system. Hence, we have first grade, second grade, third grade. It was preparing sort of factory workers. You know, a lot of our healthcare system is not oriented towards our total well-being and wellness. It's more oriented towards fixing at broken things and oftentimes perpetuating, not really actually fixing 
things, oftentimes just treating symptoms with pharmaceuticals that uh, that 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 mask those symptoms. Um, but you know, without going on a diatribe, I think there's a, there's a new era of business that's possible, and I think. What's I think using plants is so profound. You know, I mean, a lot of pharmaceutical companies. I mean, we need pharmaceuticals, so I'm not vilifying all pharmaceuticals by any means. Just to be clear, but certain certain industries exist by just basically creating a molecularly different structure to a natural plant formation, and then patenting that in a way that no one else can use it. And, and then making lots of money, whereas oftentimes the efficacy is greatest in its whole plant form or whole mushroom form, uh, you know, uh, and, and, the, and nature's had thousands of years to sort of perfect the formula. So, so actually going back to, I think, um, a high-quality, high-integrity product – uh, and supporting you know the businesses in, in growing those because you know I come largely from a nonprofit background and I think there's an absolute place for policy frameworks and nonprofits but I do think ultimately with the scale of what we need to achieve to have the kind of impact we need at the speed we need it's going to require the private sector for sure and I think demonstrating that people can both do well and do good at the same time uh, so 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 that people can basically create financial viability hire wonderful people uh, you know there's a famous TED talk actually about like the brain drain that happens you know if, if someone using a US example graduates from Harvard it's really hard to get them to become a, no, a director of a nonprofit and get paid $80,000 a year when they can get paid $500,000 a year at a commercial business so if we can create social enterprises which is, I, I know, in part which your, your guys' mission uh, with Lifecycle and, and many of the other businesses I, I love and, and support. I think um, it's definitely a step, an essential step in the right direction. So I don't know to what degree you can share because you and I have talked about things beyond your current business as it relates to your current products that you're looking to explore in the market that I got very excited by. Um, but if you can speak about any of that, uh, I would love for you to mention it because I think it's uh, it's super exciting. Yeah. Sure. So I guess um, the, the mushroom fungi world is so vast and there's so many opportunities. And so I guess you know what we saw is investing deeply into the science and and being a biotechnology company that, you know, we have laboratories, we have scientists, we have patents, we have the ability, I guess, to go into many different areas of mushrooms, not just necessarily the functional mushrooms and the everyday use, which, you know, we believe we're making a great product in that space. But in terms of growing from the spore to the seed to growing the mushroom out to then the extraction process and how we do that with you know, laboratory-based and pharmaceutical-grade equipment, to provide a very high you know, efficacy-based product has been an amazing foundation for us. But beyond that, we're also working in other areas such as antimicrobial resistance, which I guess you know, if we look at very high level, what are the things that we can ideally solve as soon as possible? Um, well, that's you know, moving out, transitioning away from pesticides, transitioning away from antibiotic use because antimicrobial resistance is set to kill millions of people over the next 10 to 15 years. That's without a doubt because people are becoming... Know, immune to the use of antibiotics because there's a lot of antibiotics being used in you know with bees for example we're using it so you find trace amounts in your honey you find trace amounts in your eggs you find trace amounts in other animals products but you also find trace amounts in other you know plant-based crops as well where antibiotics are being used so what is the substitute for antibiotics well fungi looks to have a lot of examples of where antibiotics have been used in the past with things such as penicillium. So we've been working for the last two years now with a lot of 
poultry free-range farmers, we've been able to show a decrease in mortality, a reduction in disease, an increase in productivity, a longer lifespan of the bird, just a healthier bird. And so we know when we consume foods that are wild harvested in their natural environment, and typically it's because they're happy and they're healthy, this has a lot more nutrients in it. And so it's the same if in the case of eggs. And we know, you know eggs are going to be, I think, still a very important role in the future of food, the low-carbon footprint. It's just, of course, transitioning away to animal welfare, making sure that's of the highest standard. But in terms of antibiotic use, transitioning that out for fungi, it's something we're, we're doing uh, on, a, on a very important and a deep level. We also are working on mushroom burgers. And so we've seen the plant-based burger come out. We've seen it'd be very well intended in terms of, you know, it's about the planet. But also if we look at that ingredient list, and again, if we really look at that and we raise the standard of what we see as acceptable, then there's a lot of improvement that can be done there. And we know we need to minimise ingredients, we need to minimise numbers and preservatives and all of those things. And so we've got a burger that we grow in 11 days and 11 nights. It has four ingredients, it's USDA organic, and it's you know, the lowest carbon footprint burger on the planet. Um, from the maths that we've done. So that's something that we're very excited about, which we'll be releasing at the start of next year. Uh, and so that's exciting. Other things in terms of creating a decentralized mushroom network is something else we've done. So we've, over the last 12 months, supported 65 growers around Australia to grow mushrooms because what does sustainability look like? It looks like localization as well. It looks like knowing where your food came from and making sure the carbon footprint of that food is very low. And so you touched on before, you know, foods from China or ingredients from China. And in Australia, you know, we know we have great land here, we have great air, we have great water, we have great soil. So buying food from China is just a, a, not a thing that you do. You wouldn't buy avocados, oranges, and mushrooms, um, for that matter, from China when you can have them in Australia. And I think it's the same for the U.S. You have a great climate there, you have great soils, great water, and all of those things. And so what that means is localization of food for the most part because that's, again, connecting to the energetics of where the food comes from. So we know, for example, with honey, you should always be consuming honey from a, a small radius of where you're living because that way you are absorbing the pollen and the benefits and the nutritional value from the flowers, from the plants, from the trees in that area, which is boosting your immune system. And so it's very similar with the other products, whether it's tomatoes or mushrooms that you're consuming. So what we have is the, the National Mushroom Network here in Australia, 65 growers all around Australia growing mushrooms for their community, and that's something we will be bringing to the U.S. in 2020 um, to decentralise uh, you know, mushroom production and make sure everyone knows in some small way that their mushrooms are grown within a 100-kilometre radius. Yeah, I love that. I mean, on the bees, uh, I've actually seen. So when I lived in Sri Lanka, the the, the indigenous people there called the Vedas. One of the most uh, powerful medicines that they utilized was actually a, a local honey with garlic, which they let the garlic sit, which we which we know has natural sort of antibiotic properties in the honey. Mm. And uh, it was a profound immunity booster. And I know with allergies, it's often if you have honey from that bioregion, like your close radius, it often has, has, has quite an effect. So I think the localization to me is super interesting. Obviously, the climate implications are profound because if you're not – Buying food products that have traveled, you know, thousands and thousands of miles, uh, you know, you're you're dramatically reducing your carbon footprint, and I think to your point around, uh, 
the veggie burgers, I think it's really interesting because it sounds like it can be grown at scale very quickly. And like you said, look, uh, you know, I mean, talking about food is obviously there's many different schools of thought, but without question, you know, we know the way that our ancestors ate and we know that uh, I think in general, oftentimes eating closer to nature uh, and, uh, you know, less processed food uh, is is generally optimal um, and we're obviously inundated with processed food. And so I think especially like a vegetarian option that's that's natural ingredients to me is highly uh, is highly uh, intriguing as someone who was a vegetarian for 17 years, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm stoked to to do a little barbecue with you when you come over to the U.S. and try that out. And then I think on the antibiotics piece, I mean, this is one that's really um, up for me at the moment because I've been, as I mentioned, and I've had a bunch of folks on uh, Kieran Kishnan and others around the gut health and having like an awareness of how micro, uh, antibiotics both not, not only destroy the soil but also wreak havoc on our on our on our you know on our gut microbiome and you know i think so many products obviously are grown with with antibiotics um they're they're hard on the animals and i think you know they're they're de- unequivocally hard on us and you know i know for myself you know guts the center of immunity it's the center of a lot of our you know neurotransmitters like serotonin that obviously make us feel happy. So keeping that in good stead is something that's uh, super uh, compelling to me. And I agree. I mean, one of the things that actually I'm, I'm scared of actually is is resistance because we're putting so many high-power drugs out there that uh, I, I'm very fascinated by what can happen with using natural alternatives. And so if there's efficacy there that can re- reduce our reliance on antibiotics, so therefore you only use it if you're, it's absolutely essential. I can say, for example, you know, when I got hit with a tick for Lyme disease, I'm super grateful that I had antibiotics in that instance and got rid of it within the first week. That's a, that's a great use. But that said, you know, the, there's a, a profound Zach, – Dr. Zach Bush talks about this actually. If you haven't listened to him, Google him. But like the, the overprescription of antibiotics is, a, is, a, is, a, is in epidemic proportions and it's, it's going to affect us all. So I love that you're focusing on all of these different factors. I think uh, it's, it's beautiful to see. One question I have is – where do you see as kind of the future of food? Um, you know, mushrooms obviously have, you know, can fall into both food, supplements, uh, environmental, uh, you know, supporter. What, what, uh, what do you see as the role of mushrooms in terms of how we move with our food system in the 21st century? Yeah, I think when you look in the shops and if you're in Whole Foods or, or one of these stores, whatever they may be, and you see this long row, this long fridge space, which is you know meat-based products and fish and chicken and meat. I think really that whole area, that amount of space, should be exchanged for mushrooms in the sense of you've got the lion's mane, which has this lobster taste and feel to it. You've got the shiitake mushroom. You've got the hen of the woods. You have this whole range of mushrooms, morels, that can replace from a flavor point of view and from a, you know, a taste point of view. They're amazingly delicious. And a texture point of view, amazingly delicious. And again, you know, in terms of what grows quicker than a mushroom, it's very hard to find something with that nutritional value that can grow within you know two to three weeks with growing mushrooms, putting them into seed, to getting them to harvest. So the turnaround time, the no use of pesticides, the very low water use, the very low carbon footprint because they can be grown locally. I think mushrooms in terms of shelf space, from a practical point of view, should take up a lot more in the stores and will do in time. Obviously, there's a lot of 
you know, Silicon Valley-esque biotechnology ideals around what we should feed ourselves. But I guess, again, we're, we're not learning from the past was when we put something foreign into our body in the short term, yeah, it may fill us up, it may taste good, it may be cheap, it may be economical. On the long term, what are we going to see after taking that on a micro level for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years? It's a, it's a real-life experiment, and I don't think it's one worth taking part in when you have mushrooms there. And that's what we sort of saw four and a half years ago. Like Everyone's coming out with laboratory-based meat. Everyone's coming out with soy-based products or you know, monoculture crop ingredients. Yet you have these mushrooms which grow off agricultural waste, and they can be gone very quickly, and they can have amazing texture, taste, flavor profiles. And in many ways, you can you know, deem them uh, medicinal, um, whether it is the oyster mushroom, whether it is the shiitake mushroom, whether it is the, the button or the champignon mushroom. We know great research on all of those mushrooms for diseased populations. And so I think you know, only speaking on behalf of the future of food, from a mushroom point of view, having them on your plate more often is, is very important and seeing and promoting that, just like when you buy organic, again, you're voting with your dollars. Mm-hmm. And in time, what that means is more farmers are going to move towards organic because the economics are there for them. And it's the same with mushrooms as well. So, yeah, as I said, we're really at the frontier of mushrooms. We're about 7% in in terms of identified species, and I'd probably say we're about 7% in in terms of capacity and integrating into our own lives. And so... Yeah, let's touch on mushrooms. let's touch on that, actually. How can people most optimally right now at this point in time incorporate mushrooms into their life for optimal health, immunity, etc. Yeah, and, and it's sort of one with you we just listed those mushrooms before, the reishi, the lion's mane, the turkey tail, yep. um, you know, the shiitake. And it's sort of like, well shit, which are the cordyceps especially for amazing for energy. So it's like, hmm, everyone's sort of like, which one should I choose? We end up sort of I guess working with uh, our liquid extracts and bringing out what we call the biohacker set, which is sort of a an all-in-one set where what we do is, you know, you enable people to, one, cordyceps in the morning to substitute caffeine, coffee, um, because we know they come along with adrenal fatigue, and I think as a society we're pretty caffeine-addicted, but at the same time it is an amazing tool, caffeine, and when used well, you know, has amazing benefits for you as well. So cordyceps in the morning into your tea, into your coffee, um, is amazing, along with turkey tail as well, because turkey tail is that gut health piece. And so, I guess getting that turkey tail into your system in the morning when you when you have nothing in your stomach or very little in your stomach is amazing as well. So we see people using cordyceps, turkey tail in the morning, and we recommend that combination. The lion's mane again is the the dual mode. You can have it in the morning, um, and you can have it in the evening. And in many cases, people have sort of one meal, one to two meals in the morning, or one to two meals in the evening. Um, for that lifting of the veil, for that focus, for that concentration. So our morning routine is turkey tail, cordyceps, lion's mane. Shiitake is a, is a mushroom that can be used across the course of the day. Shiitake has lentinin in it. We know it's amazing at preventing photo-aging and UV radiation damage from the sun and just general aging. We know it helps build elastin and prevent elastase. So what you have is this buzzword around collagen, and how collagen is very important for skin. But the other key one is elastin, that no one's sort of talking about. That's the elasticity in your skin. That's keeping it nice and firm. As we get older, you see you know, people wanting to go through different modalities, surgeries, um, things to keep their skin firm. And shiitake and the lentinin within the shiitake helps to do that. And so this is an amazing mushroom that can be taken across the course of the day. You know, liquid extract under your tongue, in a tea, in a coffee, in a smoothie, in a soup, all of those are fine. 
the reishi mushroom again is sort of turning down the volume so great to have uh, at the end of the day or I mean if you're in the middle of the day and you've got a lot of stress happening it's also good there but typically we see reishi in the evening with lion's mane and so that's sort of the course of a day and I think that really again if we move forward with our own evolution that's one key biohacking tool and trick to bring in the mushrooms into your everyday life where does CBD sit with that? CBD absolutely can be a part of that if you can find a high-quality product um, that you believe in. That Again, intuitively, try these products. How do they feel for you? Yeah. If you're sort of on the fence and you're like not sure after 7 to 14 days, then, yeah, I mean, trust your gut, trust your intuition, and move on to something else um, because that's the other key that we need to move towards is that not all products, not all CBD is created equal, not all probiotics are created equal, I know Kieran sort of nutted that out on the podcast, which was great to really, you know, understand that. And it's exactly the same with mushrooms. There's going to be a, a swamp of products coming to market, which there already is, and it's really, you know, for the consumer, going back to it, at the core of it, how does it make you feel intuitively? Yes. Do you notice that benefit? And that's, I guess, a starting point, and everyone is a bit different in terms of sensitivities. Yeah, I love that because I think ultimately that is what it comes down to, right, is – you know, a lot of people want to abdicate the the power. They sort of give up their powers. It relates, especially to their health. You know, I mean, I think it's fascinating, even with doctors. And I'm so profoundly grateful for doctors. But you know, it's like you know, even with a mechanic, you kind of go in there and you ask the hard questions. Whereas with a doctor, you just kind of go and you're like, uh, you know, it's oftentimes we're just like so powerless and words we don't understand and. Whereas like when it comes to our own healing, and I'm not talking about very specialized, you know, fractures or disease, et cetera, but as it relates to our overall well-being, I think we all have a power to uh, to heal and our intuition and our gut and how we feel physiologically is a profound um, indicator. And so, you know, a lot of times people will obviously, uh, you know, share products and ultimately, the best way to know if it's a good product is whether it's good or not for you. And you, I think we can all sort of um, get a good sense of that. So I love it, especially as a business owner. You're like, look, we have a great product. And by the way, you know, like you should – you know, you should figure out if that's right for you or not. Like, you know, test out anything and know its effect and its efficacy. I can say personally, as as it relates to life cycle, I've I've been using the biohacker kit daily. Actually, uh, have it right over here. And I've been uh, really noticing uh, a nice difference and really enjoying the product. So um, I I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, by the way. And, And if people are interested in trying out mushrooms, I know because I did the due diligence that you guys have a high quality, high integrity product. Uh, you know, the mushrooms are sourced here in the U.S. and, and you said that Byron, um, what, what, where can people find you first of all? And uh, I know you're also coming to the U.S. Um, uh, is there any other resources that you recommend on the World Wide Web in terms of like research or or other things that you guys have put out there that could be helpful in their journey? Absolutely, yeah. So um, we are. I mean, life cycle is probably the, the good starting point, which we try to make it hard for people to find us with the spelling of that for for some unknown reason four and a half years ago. But we liked cycle spelled C Y K E L. It's sort of a, a Northern Europe Scandinavian spelling, and we sort of thought those guys were doing a lot of things right in terms of you know environment, sustainability, uh, parental leave, care, all of those things, employment. It just seemed like they were doing a lot of things right. So life cycle is spelled C-Y-K-E-L. But our website, we have a lot of research. We're all constantly updating content. Again, because we are both you know, uh, 
a modern day company in terms of being across social media, but at the core of it, we are a biotech company. And we really want to amplify that message because a lot of the research that we do and we know and that we read as well and that we work with universities on you know, gets stuck in university libraries or gets stuck in journals that no one ever reads. So deciphering that down and boiling that down to, to snippets and snapshots is sort of what we do a lot on our website. And that's where we can sort of you know, talk about studies from Harvard or talk about studies from Japan and different things like that. So that's a great starting point. We're very personable in terms of if people want to get in touch and and connect with one of our team members from a science point of view that we can we can organize that but really what's the best way uh, to reach out if someone does want to reach out to you is there i mean whatever whatever the modern day uh form is for them really whether it's facebook messenger is there an email is there like an info at life cycle or is there what's the best way for someone if they did have a question or they wanted to you know reach out what's the best way to do that Absolutely. Info at lifecycle, L-I-F-E-C-Y-K-E-L.com. And that's where we sort of, you know, again, we have our FAQs. And a lot of people are asking similar questions about where were your mushrooms growing? Um, but that becomes a very big one. How are they extracted? What are the compounds within your mushroom? So we are, again, um, at the start of next year, we will have a QR code on all of our products, which then relates directly back to the lab testing. So you can see that in in uh, you know, immediate in terms of, being able to access the lab results at a third party in terms of pesticides, mycotoxins, um, in terms of the compounds and the benefits within them. And so that's something, again, transparency and so becoming personable even as you scale. How can we have a conversation with our audience as best as possible? Instagram DM is amazing for that. Facebook Messenger email as well. And so that's why these podcasts are great. That's why it's good to, to connect with you know thought leaders such as yourself because you can really pick it apart and ask those questions. Um, otherwise, we get stuck in the laboratory or in the production site, and we're just like assuming people know these things, but they really, you know, it's, a, it's an early journey for them, and it's a, it can be daunting when there's so many things coming at them. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, I want to honor you for, for being so transparent, and also I love the QR code, being able to source back to the testing. Uh, one of the things I've always dreamed of is, is what if Starbucks, you could literally scan the QR code on your cup of coffee and know like exactly those metrics, like and, and even ideally like the person who sourced it. You know, I think hopefully in the world of AI, eventually we'll be able to know exactly the sourcing from where our products come. But uh but I love that you guys are, are, are creating products with integrity and a lot of thoughtfulness. And uh, I'm a fan. Uh, I'll be an advocate. Um, I'm grateful for you, Julian Mitchell. And uh, I'm looking forward to you flying over and spending a little time together. You want to enjoy those burgers? Trust me. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I have been known to crush a burger or two. So uh, we'll, we'll, have some, we'll, we'll crush a couple of mushroom burgers, my man. Perfect, perfect. All right, bro. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. There you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Um, I'm now on a daily regimen with my my mushroom routine and absolutely love them. Uh, I spoke to Julian and he's going to offer the community uh, a discount. So I'll be putting out um, some offers for Lifecycle for those of you who want to tap in. I got their um, biohacker pack, so I'm taking all five uh, of their products uh, on a daily basis. They have a tincture that goes under the tongue that I'm loving. And, uh, and hopefully, if you find value and you're intrigued, uh, it's a very high-quality product, and I think you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate it if you, if you jump in. 
So with that, I hope you guys are finding uh, both the, the long-form episodes with the variety of guests as well as these mind keys valuable. If you are, please go ahead and leave a rating review on iTunes. It means the world to me and helps us move up in the algorithm. Share it with a friend if you think it would be a value for them. And if you ever any, have any direct feedback, please feel free to message me at Michael Trainer on Instagram. Hope you guys are having a great day. Go out there and live your inspired life.